Good morning, and may the Lord bless each of you richly this morning. It's good to be here again to share with you and to uh, worship the Lord together. I was seeking the Lord this week as to what He wants me to share, and uh, there were us several sermons that I was seeking the Lord which one to share. Uh, we did, as Steve mentioned, spend, we're privileged to spend two weeks in Israel. It was one of my, uh, I guess you could say, dreams and uh, passions. And uh, I started saving for quite a long time. So I encourage you, if you want to do that, Steve, you're going to have to make it uh, real. Well, I don't know where Steve sat down, but start saving for it, and uh, that's what we did. A lot of places in the world that I would love to visit. We don't travel a lot, but that's one place that uh, I would go again. And it's just life-changing, and it enhances my ministry. And uh, so I am not going to share on Israel this morning. Uh, come back in February. I want to share a PowerPoint, take you all through the land of Israel, Lord willing. I want to share this morning on uh, overcoming cowardice. This was an assignment that I had uh, at the Equippers, uh, Keystone Equippers. I uh, was given this assignment and prepared for this, and I don't think anyone was there except Jim. So, and Lester was in my class as well. So maybe next equippers, all of you can be there. If you feel the need to uh, learn, be equipped for service in the kingdom, that's what it is designed for. So I'm going to share that this morning uh, with you all, and hopefully we can identify with fear in ministry, and I'm sure we all can if we're honest. And... Uh, that we can be overcomers, that we can face the fears in our lives and, and be involved in God's work and uh, seek to be effective and uh, let it consume your life. Hopefully that's the passion, that it's, the, the need is great, amen? We're all feeling that. The need is great. It's larger than, than what we can accomplish ourselves. It takes everyone. As I, my heart was moved this morning as I saw all the children and the youth up front here. And just this week, I was uh, having lunch with one of the locals from town. And he said, none of the children are coming to our churches anymore. He said, what is wrong? And I shared our experience. We were sent from a church where there's lots of children. And he said, what's wrong with our churches? And I didn't know how to answer that, but I said that wet wood doesn't burn. And I don't know if that was the right answer from the Lord, but that's what I felt my answer was. There's a lot of churches that are emptying out. We no longer have to build church buildings anymore because they're emptying out. I'm talking about the church at large. Church buildings are emptying. There's a a need for teachers and missionaries. The need is greater than what we can uh, supply. 
And so I praise God for the young people. I want to encourage, let this message be an encouragement to everyone to engage and to take another step and to, uh, to be involved in this work that is uh, such a privilege to be part of. And I want to start by sharing a story in my teen years, two stories. In my teen years, I uh, loved to uh, go swimming at uh, my friend's pond, a farm pond. And the Nalts had a farm pond. We would go over to swim, and they had a tree that was growing from the banks of the pond. And the branches would go out over the pond. And it was high. It was up like, I, I don't know how high it was, 20, 25 feet high. And my friends would just love to go up there. They'd build a little stand up there. They'd jump out into the air and go into the pond. And I watched them, and I was determined to do this. And I would go up many times into this stand. I remember a whole summer, I think, going up to that uh, little stand up there, 25 feet high, determined to jump. And I just stood up there, and I looked down, and I just stood for a long time, and almost went, but I just couldn't do it. And I went down a coward. Next time, again, determined. And I still remember the time, the night that I finally developed the courage to jump. I think it was after a year, the second year possibly, I don't remember exactly how long it took. And I still remember the, the flight through the air and my stomach went up through my mouth and uh, wow, it was awesome. And then I was doing it. I, I overcame a fear. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, overcoming fears. I'm not saying that you should build stands 25 feet high and start diving into the ponds. Young people need a little guidance sometimes, too. Second story I want to tell is a, a, a fear that I had for public speaking. I don't know how young I was when I developed a serious fear that was almost as crippling as that one for public speaking, and, and uh, my tongue just didn't work right in front of people, and it was a serious fear. Uh, and I, I, uh, I think it was a spiritual blockage. Uh, there was a spiritual problem connected to my tongue not working right, and when I was asked to get up front, I would just be very afraid and nervous and things just didn't work right and and when I was uh, I started attending Myerstown here we enjoyed the fellowship we remember 25 years ago Wednesday nights prayer meetings there was only about four benches full so the church really changed in the years that we were here but uh, business meetings, we came to, uh, after we were members, the first or second business meeting we were at, they were looking for a Sunday school superintendent, and uh, my name came up, and I was elected as Sunday school superintendent, and uh, so I decided I have to face this fear. And Sunday morning, I was, uh, Jim Landis was my, he said, uh, I'm on. It was him and I working together. So I still remember uh, sitting back there about right where Johnny Lehman's sitting. I think that's the bench it was. <laughs> it was that real for me. 
And my wife, just as I was to get up, gave me a squeeze of my hand. And, uh, you know, that was something I still remember today. And right here, the Lord met me there, and I faced the fear, and I am still overcoming that, but the Lord has given me uh, freedom in that area, and it's something up front, it always is there, and I'm sure you can all relate to it. It's a spiritual, uh, sometimes uh, it's a spiritual test, and, and we need to be filled with God. So overcoming cowardice, and how do we face the fears in speaking boldly for Christ? Speaking out and being someone that's outspoken is what I want to encourage everyone here. If you're here with a fear of speaking, I think that's normal. But I believe that when you get serious with God, I want to share a couple things with you that hopefully will help you to be a person that can speak for the Lord and, and be useful in his kingdom. Cowardice is defined as a lack of courage or firmness of purpose. Faint-heartedness, spiritlessness, fearfulness. Cowardice is a trait wherein fear and excessive self-concern override doing or saying what is right, good, and of help to others in time of need. So it is a fear, an excessive self-concern where we're concerned about ourselves, and, and uh, that overrides the need to speak and say something that is needed to be said in a time of need, encouraging someone, walking alongside of someone, spending time with someone who's spiritually struggling, whatever it may be, uh, sharing with the lost, teaching Sunday school. I don't know if there's a church this side, there should, a church this size, there should not be a struggle to get teachers. So if there is a struggle to get teachers, maybe I should talk to the Sunday school superintendents. We need revival. We need, maybe we need to overcome this. We need to be a little more passionate. We need to work at this. Church this size should not struggle with teachers, period. There ought to be teachers in line. There ought to be passion that's burning in our spirits and heart. We ought to be digging deep and we ought to be ready and understand the need to teach and preach and share God's word is great. Teachers, preachers, evangelists, missionaries, counselors, we need everyone in the days in which we live. So how do we overcome these fears and jump into the air and, and get involved and uh, and and be aware that this is normal. I don't want to share with you that uh, you shouldn't have fears. It is normal for us, but as we face our fears and as we uh, relate and experience God in our lives, we can overcome this fear and we can engage and we can be successful and we can accomplish great things for God. So the first point I have is speaking with confidence. The word confidence, I want to uh, take this word from Hebrews 10, 19. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 for the word confidence or boldness. It says in Hebrews 10, 19, 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The word there is boldness, and I want to... Uh, Look at the Greek word is parousia. If you uh, know how to look up the Greek words, it is helpful sometimes for me to follow a Greek word. And the Greek word parousia, it means an all outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, publicity by implication, assurance, bold. So that is the meaning of this word, boldness or confidence. It's an outspokenness, and I like that word. When you follow that word throughout the New Testament, it uh, sometimes is in this, the uh, setting of coming into the throne room, as we see in uh, our text here in Hebrews, two times it is used in that setting, and then it is, is also used in the context of those speaking for God, preaching, teaching, sharing, and being a person that's known as outspoken and very bold. I'm losing people. I'm not sure what's going up in the ceiling. There we go. So an all-outspokenness. Someone who has something to say. Someone who is uh, sharing the word of God with people. But first of all, I believe we need to experience this in the throne room of heaven. Where it says we have boldness to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have this confidence, this assurance this experience where we can come into the Holy of Holies. How many of you have been to the Holy of Holies this morning? How many of you entered in with boldness, an outspokenness, a, a, uh, an assurance? And I like the invitation that Jesus, that we have to come in... in uh, Hebrews 4, we're to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find help in time of need. So I want to encourage you to all experience coming before God in this way. I like to illustrate it like this. When I was dating this young girl who is now my wife, I loved, uh, if those of you who know my father-in-law, it was a privilege to come into their house, and every time, most every time, he'd open up the fridge, what do you want? And, and uh, I was just like, in. And uh, I was like, wow, I got to the place where I could come in like I'm part of the family, and I could open up the fridge, and I could get what I wanted. I'm part of this family. And that was a feeling that I loved. And I, I like that picture, we're invited to the throne room of grace in that way, to come boldly 
claiming your right and claiming your position and letting your request be made known and coming to God like that, that will change your life. That is where it's at. And that's what this is speaking about in Hebrews 10, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus, a new and a living way, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So that is how we need to come. The Greek word is parousia and coming into the throne room of grace that way. So I believe this is an experience. When you have this in your life and you really are experiencing this, you will have something to say. You will be coming to others in the same way. So you're coming to the throne of grace with boldness and an outspokenness and a experiencing God. And then every day of your life, you're experiencing the same way. You have something to say. There are things happening in your life. There are people around you that you can reach into their lives and you speak from experience. When we apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts, experience the cleansing of a new life, this must be an experience you have before you're ready to speak out for Christ with boldness and confidence. Now, many people can talk freely about sports, about hunting, money, business deals, shopping, and the list could go on, but when it comes to spiritual things, they clam up. And so I want to think a little bit now about your passion. And it's very important if you're passionate, and, and I want to be careful that you do not misunderstand me here, because I'd like to do a little hunting. I remember the days when I was driven by sports and I laid it aside, but I still like to watch a good uh, basketball game. Money? I enjoy managing money. Shopping? No. I hate it. So it's your passion, what your tongue can speak about freely. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says the mouth speaks, and so you need to think about your passions. If you're one who can talk for hours about hunting and a hunting trip and you can't talk for the Lord, then your passion is not right. If you're one who can talk about money and businesses and all of that, for hours on end, but you have nothing to say Sunday morning and you're not ready to teach your passion is not right. And so it has everything to do with your passion. You need to be passionate about God and passionate about the kingdom and passionate about Jesus and passionate. And that will open your, your tongue. And I want to balance this as well with we learn in this. We grow in this. Uh, we're young, and we, we just start with simpler things, but we're passionate about it. We want to go deeper. We're passionate about it. We want to learn more. We want to read more. We, we're not satisfied with where we're at, but we're just digging in more and more. And so 
it is okay to feel that way, like we, we are not uh, able to talk about deep things of God. At the Keystone Equippers, Dale Eby shared the first sermon, and he's one who answers the uh, Christian Aid Ministries billboards. And he was sharing experiences of that. And I want you to, to ask you this, how many of you would love to answer the phone on Christian Aid Ministries billboards? Any hands? Now, personally, I think that would be kind of neat. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that, but you get some hard, you get stumped with hard things. And many of us would be going and asking Jim or someone, what about this? But it, that's how you grow. And I find that in my experience as you uh, get asked hard questions. Right now, I'm talking with a Jehovah Witness, and I'm talking with a Seventh-day Adventist in town, and uh, it has really stretched me as well to dig for answers. So speaking from experience, you need to have an experience and a passion, a driving passion, and then speaking from your identity, you need to know who you are in Christ. And I think John 1, 12, or 11 to 13, needs to be rooted and grounded, and you need to have, this is your experience, and I want to read it for you. John 1, 11, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's who we are. Your identity is we are children of God. We are born of the Spirit. We're part of God's family. And everyone who comes to Jesus by faith, he gives us the power or the authority to become sons of God that believe on his name. And we're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. So we are children of God. We have the authority. That means, uh, that word exousia is a delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction. So he gives us the authority to be a child of God. And we can claim that and we can go in that name. So speaking from experience and speaking with authority. Second point is uh, speaking with consistency, and I think we need to uh, think about this in our lives as well. Consistent, defined, the definition of consistent is unchanging in nature, standard, or effect over time. So there is something about your life that connects with your message. This is powerful, brothers and sisters. This is important, that we are consistent in our lives. And we are experiencing God so that we have something to show. All of us, everyone born into the world, in the beginning, we are uh, created, it tells us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that everyone is 
is created in the likeness and image of God. So from creation, we're all created in the image of God. Now, sin marred the image of God. And in redemption, the image of Christ is uh, stamped upon our hearts. And now inside of our life and our body, we now shine with the image of Christ. And this is important, that we have the image of God restored in our spirit and in our life, that we are children of God, and we are shining and bearing his image. Jesus said, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. So there is something about our life that is shining, reflecting God's glory, even though we do not open our mouth. There's something about us that is shining. We're like a city on a hill, and this is, is uh, shining from our life, and I, I like that picture. Each one of us can be a city set on a hill, no matter where you live, no matter where you work, no matter what your calling is in life, you can be like a city set on a hill, and there's something about your life that is shining and reflecting his glory at work and every day of your life. In school, we have what we call show and tell. So I want you to picture a child coming to school on the morning of show and tell, and they stand before the class and they only tell about their object. They just tell everyone about it, but they have nothing to show. And you would not have the same effect by just telling. And I want you to also imagine a child coming to show and tell and only showing, but never saying anything about it. So whatever it is, they stand before the class and they show it and keep everyone guessing what it is or what they want to say about it. And the effect would not be the same if a person only told without showing or showed without telling. But how powerful it is when you can show and people can see the object or whatever you want to show, showing and then telling, opening your mouth and explaining uh, well. And you can leave a lasting impact when you do that well. And I think it's the same way in our Christian lives. We have to have the image of Christ, be like a city set on a hill, and then be ready to open our mouth and, and share. I just want to share a few things that are important in your Christian life as you interact with other people. The first one is friendliness. Would you be known as a friendly person if I would ask people at your work in your community, your family, would they say that you're friendly? Like you just show yourself a friend and take time for people. And friendliness, I believe, is important uh, as we interact with people that we're known as friendly people. Do you, uh, is there a radiance about you and I want to just uh, have everyone here this morning give me a smile. Everyone a smile. 
Smile. Every day of your life, just wear a smile. Something about you that is just radiant. And if you're shy, just say hi. At least meet the person and don't, don't avoid people, but be friendly and smile. That's a start. Just ways to uh, be like a city set on a hill. A smile can go a long way. A, a, a smile, a friendly smile. If you're shy, just learn to say hi. Acts of kindness, give a helping hand. Take time to listen to people. Honesty at work is very important that you're honest and that you uh, are known as an honest person. A consistent life is a loud voice at work, at home, or in your community. And then telling. 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer. So be ready. When you are living this way and people are looking and wondering, what is it about this person? Be ready to open your mouth and share. Speak for the Lord and be ready to, to talk about it. And I think you can learn uh, as you begin that journey, you can grow in it and you can learn all through your life to become more effective in your communication skills and your uh, friendliness and speaking to others and taking time for people and all of those things are areas we all can grow in. Next, I would like to uh, share on speaking constantly. Now, if you're one here now, I want to balance this as well. Sometimes we need to learn to listen as well. Uh, if you've ever been around someone, you wish they would be quiet. Uh, there are lessons there. We can learn to listen as well. But speaking constantly is, uh, I want to refer this as, to this as a lifestyle, not Every day of your life, you're talking all, all day long at work, and people want you to be quiet. I'm not suggesting that. But I want to use the early church model in the book of Acts. If you have the time, read Acts chapter uh, 4 and 5, or 3, 4, and 5, where you see this was their experience, and, and this is uh, what they were known by as one people that spoke constantly about the Lord, and they, they spoke of the things that they heard and seen. It starts in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John went to the temple one morning and there was a lame man there at the temple and he was asking alms. And it says, I love that verse where it says, Peter and John fastened their eyes upon them. They were engaged, they were filled with the Spirit, they were ready to speak and they were ready to engage in the work of God. And so they were going into the temple. Here's a lame man asking alms, and Peter and John fastened their eyes upon them. It says, Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So the man got up. He was healed. The Lord performed a miracle through the name of Jesus and the work of Peter and John. And this lame man... He began leaping, he, jumping, leaping, and praising God. And he got Peter and John in trouble. And I love the picture, and 
I'm not going to act it out up here, but he just got a little excited about what happened. And the Bible says he was leaping, he was praising God, and he began to share what had happened. And the religious leaders got offended by that, and they began to look at this, what is this? And soon Peter and John were called in question, and Peter again opened up his mouth. He said, if you are questioning what spirit hath made this lame man walk, it is through the name of Jesus Christ, and he began to preach in Acts chapter 3. Soon we have them on trial before the Sanhedrin. And uh, in Acts 4.18, it says they, they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot speak but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So I like that answer. Peter says, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you're offended. I cannot be quiet. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So there you have it, speaking constantly. And later on in the story, that it says that they, uh, they commanded them to just keep quiet. They left them go, but commanded them to keep quiet and not speak and preach and teach in the name of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 5, it says, They were brought in again, and they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in, this in, his, in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. In Acts 5.40, it says, When they agreed and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, what a nice way to treat them. They beat them. They command them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. So no matter... What came, persecution or whatever came their way, they continued to teach and preach the name of Jesus. And I believe that's good for us to read that, to model that in our lives. Make it a lifestyle. I would like to encourage you to all to make it a lifestyle. We should not think about speaking for God as once a month where we get together and pass out tracts, or once a month we do an evangelistic effort in town. Or once a year, come to Shenandoah and pass out tracts, or whatever it, it is, I don't think we should think of our experience only in that way, but rather make it a lifestyle at work, at the gas pump. Many opportunities during the day that we have to speak for God. Just want to give you one example of this, Dylan. The young man who came to our Bible clubs, father of several children that came to Bible clubs, and he was there for an evening, and I got to talk to him, and we had a nice conversation, invited him out to breakfast on Saturday morning. He came down to my house on a Saturday morning. We went out to eat together, and, and Dylan was sharing his life story, and as we talked, he said there was a man at his work 
Universal Forest, that uh, he just brings a good energy to the place. He said, I, I love being around him. And he said, he's actually saying the same things you're saying to me. I, I'm overwhelmed by it. He's saying the same things you are. I said, praise be to God. I want to meet this man at work. And that's who we ought to be. Brightening the workplace. Loving to share a word when given opportunity. And having the ability to be used of God in that way. So set some goals in your life. It's a good goal to set. I have set a goal in my life to talk to someone every day. I don't keep track. I don't uh, do like D.L. Moody where he went to bed and suddenly he discovered he didn't talk to anybody. So he gets out of bed, gets dressed, running down the streets and meets someone and, hey, do you know the Lord? That's D.L. Moody. He was determined to never let a day go by without sharing Christ with someone. Well, I don't go that, to that extreme, but I try to make it a lifestyle where I have many opportunities where we live to, uh, to speak to people. Look for good icebreakers, ways to uh, break into a conversation, whether it's current news, the politics or whatever. You can start with politics, but then don't stay on politics. Get over here and say, well, what is the Lord saying through this? What does God have in mind? And, and look for icebreakers, ways to enter into spiritual conversations, not just uh, stay on sports and politics and money and hunting and all these things, which are all right to talk about, but that should not consume our uh, passions. Always look to improve. As long as you live, you will be needing to improve as if you uh, do not feel the need to improve, then you uh, are growing lax in your life. But always look to improve. This is something that you must develop in your life. Go with someone, go for training, go two by two, read books, attend seminars, whatever you can do, look for ways to improve and never become satisfied with who you are and your current experience. And lastly, speak with clarity. Speak clearly. Seeing 2 Corinthians 3.12, it says, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. So explaining things to people. You uh, may all understand what the word repent means, but if you get into areas where, uh, like Shenandoah, I have learned that you need to slow down and explain what repent means. People do not know that. Or fruits, uh, we talk about the fruits of your life. They don't connect with those things. So explain things in a simple way. I try to do that and uh, learn in that as well. Explain repent, explain confession, explain faith and explain surrender. These are the four things that I try to explain to everyone as I'm sharing the gospel. You need to know these four things. Confess, and it's just simply admitting who you are and your need for God. We need God every day. Confess and admit it before God. Repent. So you're going this way and you turn around. It's a 180 degree turn. And putting behind you the sins of the world and the sins of the flesh. 
And some people I have to, in town, we're living in days where the lines are disappearing, so you have to explain the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. So now I want to ask you, cursing and swearing, which side do you put it on? And just this week, I was standing on the sidewalk asking this question to a man. He thought for a while, he had, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I said, well, let's, let's do a little test here. The kingdom of God, kingdom of the devils, not cursing and swearing. Most people have a problem there. Hopefully not here. He said, well, I'll put that one right in the middle. <laughs> then I went to lying. Which side do you put it on? Well, okay, that one's on the devil's side. Yep, that one's on the devil's side. We'll agree there. What about fornication and adultery? Huh. I plead the fifth. He wouldn't want to answer that one. You see, so you start to show them what it means and try your best to explain the difference between a religious person and a Christian. Explain the blood of Jesus applied to your heart and explain idols, false hopes that people have. Some time ago, there was a man that had a tattoo and on his arm, he had a tattoo and it said, you, you can't drown my demons, they know how to swim. I said, really? Had. Your, your demons know how to swim. What do you mean? You actually mean that on your arm? He said, yeah. Let me tell you my story about an Ouija board. He told me his story about an Ouija board, how he dabbled on an Ouija board. And he connected to our Ouija, a wrong spirit, and the spirit followed him, still following him. I said, really? He said, yeah, I was so sick and tired of that Ouija board, I put it up in the attic, and we moved to another house, and I came to the next house, and there it was on the front porch. They're really? So it's following you. I said, did anybody ever explain to you the blood of Jesus? And how you need to repent and renounce? And so I had the opportunity to explain that to him. And many people have never heard that. They are trying to drown their demons. But they know how to swim. Very real in the world. Headship order. And many people ask us, women, why do you wear the covering on your head? Make it a point to answer that well. Study the sick day of creation. And I think I preached on that the last time I was here. Why we don't wear jewelry and on and on the list can go. So learn how to give answers and explain from the Bible why we practice uh, what we do. So in conclusion, I just want to encourage everyone to uh, enter into the work of God. Recognize that this is something that must be developed and fears in speaking boldly for Christ are common. I believe we all can recognize and identify with that. But we can overcome through the blood of the Lamb and experiencing life in the Holy of Holies. So I want to encourage everyone to come into the Holy of Holies as Jesus invites you to do. Experience His presence. Experience life. Experience Him and let him work in your life and then share it with others in that same outspoken way. Speak from a consistent life. I don't know where you're at. As I mentioned, churches are emptying out. But there's another problem as well, that churches are being filled with sin. So I want to encourage you all to examine your life. Is your life 
consistent and do you have the presence of God in your life? Are you bearing the image of Christ? Are you like a city set on a hill? Experiencing God and shining and reflecting his glory. And then, if that's your experience, then speak about it and open your mouth. If it's in there, let it out. If it's inside, let it out. I remember a prisoner in prison. Sometimes they do that better in prison than we do. I remember a prisoner inside. He found the Lord in prison and he had to live a life sentence in prison. And he said, he tells people in prison, if it's in there, let it out. I said, amen. If it's in there, let it out and talk about it. If you're struggling, I believe that's also true as well. Let it out and talk to someone about it. Make it a lifestyle where you talk about the Lord. Look for opportunities. Always look to improve. We cannot keep silence. God needs everyone. Everyone is needed. There's no room for bench warmers. We have to allow the, the burden to fall upon us. The condition of the world is alarming. The need is great. God needs everyone to engage, work, whatever God calls you to do. And then let's learn to speak clearly and give answers to those who ask us the reason, the hope that's inside of us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the word. Thank you for the church, for each one who's here this morning. And I ask you would just move us all to higher ground. Pray that we all would grow in our passion for Bible reading and our passion for prayer and our passion for teaching and our passion for evangelism and our passion for exhortation and all the gifts. I pray that each one would uh, engage in the work of the kingdom and we'll give you the glory for what you do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask for a song. Stan, Larry Stauffer, would you lead us in a closing prayer?